Friends and welcome to the Rogue Planet podcast. I'm Jason McClellan, and I have the wonderful privilege of being joined by the wonderful Maureen Ellsbury. Oh, that's me. Yes, that is you. And we are here with our great friend, finally on the show again, Ryan Sprague. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Hey, guys, I'm so happy to be back. It's been a while. Yeah, and you know what? This is the first. We are actually joining you. In your wonderful state of New York. Yes. Not only that, but actually in his bedroom. <laughs> in your bedroom. Yeah, it's a little scandalous. This is lie. a little scandalous yeah. and possibly the most scandalous Rogue Planet podcast ever. This is going to be good, yeah. yeah. For full disclosure, I'm wearing like uh, sweatpants, basically. So, full clothing. <laughs> full disclosure, I'm wearing nothing. <laughs> full disclosure, Jason and I are naked and drinking beer. We're naked and drunk. <laughs> I never said I wasn't drinking beer. In fact, we are drinking a beer called uh, Pumple Drumpkin, which is, I believe drunk? is a pumpkin beer. Uh, Cisco Brewers Nantucket, and it looks like a five-year-old actually did the conception art for this. That was actually Anyways, a, a college graduate with a uh, master's degree in finance. Probably it came out of Ryan's fridge. So, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> it was at this the convenience store under my train. So, I, I, I knew I had to get something because I knew you guys were coming. I wanted to impress you, get some pumpkin beer. And this is what I found. And you know what? You, you, you do actually have fall here in New York. We so, do, yeah. So, pumpkin beer is fitting. Yeah, it's very fitting. Although I will admit, I was a little depressed that the pumpkin beers came very early this year. I mean, we were talking earlier today, like mid to late August, they started creeping up around here. And everyone started freaking out and buying it. And now they're all like gone. You, you can barely find them anywhere in the bars. So Yeah, that's, that's a little bit early, I think. It's not even near near fall in Arizona yet. We've been having some weird storms, obviously, because of the hurricane. Um, and it's humid as hell, and we keep having these rainy storms. But our trees are green. It's still 85 to 95 to 105 max every day. So it hasn't felt like fall recently. Well, so this funny... is my first taste of fall. Well, that, that's good. I'm glad you can finally experience a pumpkin beer, a fall beer, where the weather feels like fall as well, and you can see some some changing in the leaves. Um, in Boise, it's been interesting mm-hmm. um, because it's been kind of amazing weather. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been in the high seventies, low eighties. But <laughs> but because it's October, the the trees know it. 
Yeah. Although the weather hasn't necessarily been reflecting it. Right. right. So the trees have decided to start changing color. <laughs> oh, it's still like 81 it's degrees, 80 degrees outside. And, and you're all, wow, look at those. It's, it's fall. It's awesome. <laughs> so you decide to pop open a pumpkin beer, mm-hmm. but it's like 79 outside. You're all, I guess this is okay. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so <laughs> being somebody that has grown up in the Northwest and experienced many falls, this is what Jason has not figured out yet and is in for a really rude awakening. Is guess what comes with that sweet, sweet fall? Well. The biggest effing spiders you've ever seen in your life <laughs> everywhere. I, 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 I will remind you that, number one, I was born in Idaho. Yeah, but barely raised. So. I mean, come on. And I lived in New York. He did. So, I have experienced fall and the things that come after fall. Yeah. It little does more. I know that I'm spoiled with the magic of Arizona, with Tempe, Arizona, where it's perfect weather all the time. I'm talking about (laughs) Seattle big, ass, mother effing spiders. Okay. Well, I I watch sci fi, and I'm a big fan of sci fi, and I know all about the big spiders. They're coming. No, I was just going to say, big spiders in New York City are basically, we like to call them roaches. Well, I, I could I could give a shit about roaches. They're in our bathrooms all the time sometimes in Arizona. I'm talking about, um, well, not only, we have tarantulas in Arizona. Yep. Those aren't the ones I'm talking about. In the Northwest, you have the spiders that somehow appear in your window corners in the fall that have the backs that are balls of goo like this big i those of you listening cannot understand what this big is it's like the size of a giant jawbreaker of a butt yes so perfect perfect addition to a halloween horror film no love it it's just gross so, I don't know if either of you have been paying attention, but I am a huge fan and always look forward to um, sci-fi's 31 Days of Halloween. Mm-hmm. All Trump year, yeah. all year I look forward to this, mm-hmm. where they typically uh, play fantastic horror films mm-hmm. and usually classics, you know, from their Halloween um, they tend to play uh, the various versions of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. uh, Freddy Krueger movies, um, and all of their original movies that are such wonderful movies. I'm very, like very, movie. very fond of the yeah. sci-fi original movies. I call all of those welcome to my bedroom. Absolutely. <laughs> However, I I've been really disappointed this year. Like I get yeah. really excited for October to roll around for yeah. for Sci-Fi's Thirty One Days of Halloween to roll around, but with their their programming, they've got so much else going on now mm-hmm. that the 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 wonderful programming that I look forward to the classic Halloween movies, yeah. the great horror movies, are shown uh, very infrequently, mm-hmm. and when they have them. Um, in their scheduling, it's usually like at odd 
weird hours in the morning when nobody would be watching, yeah. like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And then later in the day, they've got all the the other stuff that they're obligated to show, yeah. like MMA stuff and face-off right. and, and things like that, their original programming. So you don't really get to partake in that 31 Days of Halloween right. horror movie programming. Yeah, I'm hoping that, that the scheduling increases as we get closer to Halloween. Yeah. But so far into October, I mean, we're getting close to halfway through October, and it hasn't been the case. Okay, well, here's a question for both of you gentlemen, and I use that term very loosely. Uh, Favorite horror movie, and that's (laughs) H-O-R-R-O-R, go. Thank you for clarifying. Well, I am a big fan of the... I guess I will call it a franchise. The Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> okay. um, is is quite a favorite of mine. I, I do like the the reboots and the, the the various versions that have been done on it. Uh, I, I like Jessica Biel, so I like the the oh, God. the uh, more recent version that's been done. Um, the classic movies. I mean, Friday the Thirteenth is a good franchise. Halloween is a great franchise. I love those movies, and um, I won't say I love every single movie that's been made with those franchises because with the both of those franchises, there have been so many movies that have been made, especially when it comes to Halloween. Yeah. Um, crazy. I don't even know how many many films have been made mm-hmm. with the Halloween franchise, and there have been some duds. I mean, um, really, Jason goes to space? Like, yeah. that, that's so bizarre. But um, I will say that, I mean, that I, I think that's probably one of my favorites, especially around this time of year. Um, and Jason Voorhees, to me, is one of the greatest um, kind of horror villains there is because he's not as hokey. I mean... I, I really think that Freddy Krueger is, to me, I'm not a Freddy Krueger guy. Like, it just is so cheesy and silly to me, the idea of this villain in your dreams. And but he's I think, also your janitor, so I mean, just well, think about yeah, that for a moment. That's true, and that, that kind of plays into, and, and the Simpsons play with that a little bit, having Willie be yeah, <laughs> Freddy yeah. Krueger. It's pretty funny, but uh, and they they do they do actually have a uh, and sci-fi recently aired this the the Jason versus Freddy movie. So I'm gonna awful, let you but, finish, but first yeah, yeah. I want to say that Ryan's got the greatest horror film of all time. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh what are you guys not gonna give me fucking Taylor Swift? Kanye, like, <laughs> acknowledgement for that? What's happening here? Anyways, I'm going to rephrase my question, but first we're going to get Ryan's answer because the second question may answer the two. All so right. for you, favorite horror movie of all time, and then I'm going to follow up to both of you with a different question. Okay. I mean, the nostalgia in me wants to say The Exorcist, um, but I actually recently watched it. 
and uh i i I wasn't swayed. Uh, there's just there's parts of it that are extremely dated, and I know it's the, you know, the penultimate scariest movie of all time. But I I don't think it is. Um, I I think my favorite movie has come out in the past couple years, and that was The Conjuring. Actually, okay. okay so Ryan, yeah. the reason I downloaded off of Amazon and bought The Conjuring mm-hmm. was because you posted, I'd heard things about it, you posted Scariest Movie of All Time, okay. which was actually my follow-up question as I was going to ask you both, not favorite, but what you thought was literally the scariest mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so I downloaded that and was like, well, I'm going to watch this. And I watched it with a friend of mine, Morley Gordon, and... Um, I was not impressed. I own it now, and I need to rewatch it. All right, so I I have a terrible terrible memory. I know I've seen it. Remind me which movie The Conjuring is. I don't know if you have seen it. I'm pretty sure I have. Really? It's really recent. I'm pretty sure I have. So it's the one, um, it's the precursor to the new movie that's coming out, Annabelle. Okay. Who our friend, um, Aaron Sager, says. you know, dance I know with it he all, soured basically. it for me. He said it's like not scary at all. But no, I no, I've definitely I'm seen the Conjuring dance now. With the doll, the creepy ass doll. Um, yeah, yes, I've so. definitely seen it, and I really, really enjoyed that movie. But I need to rewatch it. I need to rewatch it. I mean, here, 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 here's here's my thing. Yeah. Like I I have a weird, uh, I don't know my my preference for. For the horror genre and my my enjoyment of it, um, you I'm, sick sadistic. I I I, I am, but <laughs> I'm like not. Like I'm I'm particular with them. Like so the the Saw movies, I really like those movies, mm-hmm. but they're in a different category for me um, they because they are more like. They're definitely more violent and sick and painful um, where that stuff is is depicted. You see that that pain and, and, and the gore and the torture happening. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for for as a viewer of, of the film, I, I do like that. But there's something to be said for for me personally with the the 80s slasher horrors that I like better mm-hmm. than that, where they are, in a sense, comedies. You know, there, yeah. there's a sense mm-hmm. of comedy yeah. in the slasher film, um, in the killing and the in the pain and, and everything that's happening, where you don't really see what's happening. And it's really on a just an absurd, ridiculous level, where like one slash... <laughs> like kill somebody where they get hit in the arm and they're dead like in two seconds. Yeah. Like it's so cheesy like and ridiculous. But I love that so much. And and to me, so I mean, nothing can really match those for me. When I watch it, I laugh. And and to me, that's part of the slasher horror film that I love so much. I love being able to watch it and laugh at the same time that I jump. 
You know, I like having those things blended together. Where Saw and, and some of those movies get, get a little too realistic for me, where it starts becoming disturbing. Well, on the outside of that, and I agree with you 100% on the, like, hostile and all those movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, usually stop watching a movie. But Hostel or Hostel 2 or whatever it was, was one of the first movies that was like, I don't want to continue watching this. What about night. Centipede? Oh, well, okay, <laughs> well. That's a whole nope. different yeah, lollipop. You haven't seen it. Don't. You need to see that. And you need to see Centipede 2. <laughs> I and only... then you need to watch the South Park episode oh, about no. the Sentai pad. I've seen that. <laughs> All right. I've seen the South Park version. Ryan, right. it wasn't as funny because I didn't exactly know what they were parodying. Yes. You know. Ryan, if it makes you feel any better, I only saw like three seconds of that movie, and it's because Jason forced me to, <laughs> and I really was like, what the hell am I seeing? Yeah. But I want to say this is on the same point that you were saying. Um, that you kind of like a certain kind of genre of of horror movie is I was talking with um, some friends of mine, uh, their band Congos, their dad, uh, John Congos, was a very famous musician in the, I believe, 70s. I could be wrong on all these stats. Anyways, him and I had a conversation at their house one night, and he said, well, what was the scariest uh, moment you had? And we were talking about movies. And he said, The Exorcist was the scariest movie ever. Point blank. Still to this day. And I said, I didn't feel that way. Like, I just don't see it. And he said, I feel like the most terrifying thing is what you cannot see. And I agree with him 100% on that. And I said, yep, yep, that's good. Yeah. Unseen. And that's the way I feel still to this day. Like, if I get something that's, like, too much of a clown, like, it's too much of a, just, like, a spook being, like, boo. Yeah. And you're scared for a second, and then, or Annabelle that's coming out, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's like, a terrifying doll that's gonna be sadistic and peek under your, steal your baby away and terrify you that's but it's a small little clip clips yeah i think that's something that's lost in a lot of of modern filmmaking there too many people try to i think fill in too many details yeah and and depict things to be way too real you know and, and show every absolute gory detail and I think many people, and I agree, that a lot of the really scary stuff and, and mystery and a lot of stuff and, 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 and fear can be generated by the unknown and by not depicting that actual thing. Mm-hmm. And we are here in New York right now at, for New York Comic Con. We're in New York. Oh, my God. Oh, no. What? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we are in New York. And uh, we were at a panel today for uh, a film, uh, a film coming out called Extraterrestrial. 
about alien abduction. Not to be They're mistaken for Steven Spielberg's E.T. Oh, That's I thought right. you were going to say not to be mistaken with Katy Perry's song, Extraterrestrial. Katy Perry. Oh, you got it. You got it. Extraterrestrial. Thanks, guys. Now I'm thinking about boobs. <laughs> All right. But anyway, on this panel talking about the movie Extraterrestrial, uh, the movie features the amazing actor Michael Ironside. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Michael Ironside. Um, he was actually talking today about... He speaks? He, yeah, he does speak. <laughs> um, I don't remember what film he was talking about. He was talking about some old movie. But he was talking about this very topic about you know the, the horror genre, basically, and how... So much is to be said for the unseen with, you know, things that uh, are alluded to but not actually depicted and how much, you know, that can depict and and, and insinuate fear and horror and, and just kind of conjure up all these emotions without actually depicting in graphic detail what is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the human mind will always create something much scarier and will sort of manifest something that you yourself fear than anything a filmmaker could put on the screen at that moment, I feel. Because no matter what they put on that screen is not going to ever induce as much fear as something you're going to make up in your own mind, I feel. And I am an audio nerd, and I... I'm a huge proponent of just how powerful audio yeah. sound yeah. is in you know conjuring uh, emotions, how much it plays a role in movies and, and, and how it drives the viewer um, and what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And thinking about the Halloween movies, you know, just the stupid... Yeah, you know, that that stupid noise, yeah, yeah. is brilliant. It is, and it's it is so, so brilliant. Yeah. And it, when you're watching those movies, it really drives the viewer. You're you're watching, and they even trick you at some points mm-hmm. through that that series of movies um, when you think. Oh shit! Something's gonna happen, and then it's it's nothing. Mm-hmm. But they do use that sound effect to to build up the suspense, and uh, you know, sort of use it as a theme for for Jason Voorhees, and it's it's brilliant. Yeah. But but at the same time, imagine the movie if all of a sudden it was like. Yeah. Audio audio does play a big part. I don't know if you guys saw that video recently of the last scene of Star Wars and New Hope. <laughs> yes. Without yes. the music. Yes. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. But yeah, it's people often forget what um both composition and music and sound can do for a film, um, or even a play sometimes, but how it drives things and propels things forward. It can make you feel a certain emotion. Um, Yeah, and I think in horror movies, that is extremely prevalent. You know, you have moments of sheer silence and 
the anticipation is just, you know, eating away at you at that point. Or you have something so as iconic as the the piano from Halloween or the mm-hmm. cha from uh, Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. And you're sort of conditioned at that point to when that happens, you have a certain, you know, visceral reaction to right. it because you know what's coming. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, for so, a short while, I wanted, I actually contemplated uh, pursuing a career mm-hmm. and going to school for sound design mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, personally, I had such a strong reaction to audio in films, and I thought, man, that would be amazing to yeah. to play a role in deciding what happens in a movie to elicit these responses in people because audio is just, it, it's incredibly powerful. I know I'm going to break Jason's heart right now when I say this, but you're, shocker. You're, you're no John Williams, but no, no. Anyways, nobody I, is a John no, Williams. Except nobody John is. Williams. Uh, nobody is. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, Jason. Anyways, I wanted to ask you, Ryan, cause, um, as a playwright, um, what do you think that like most projects you into writing situations where it's so suspenseful, like that you can be sort of in the sense personally entwined with it, but not because that's what makes real suspense real in my opinion. I don't know. Um, Oh, that's a good question. Um, I do often write suspenseful <laughs> uh, theater. It's always sort of attracted me. Um, it's a lot of it has to do with pacing. Um, a lot of it has to do with uh, with the silences actually more than the dialogue. Yeah. Uh, my job as a playwright is to write dialogue um, to fill those voids, but it's when the play truly comes to life and when a director and an actor have those moments in between the lines that really drive the suspense, I think. Um, And I imagine that concentration on pacing has benefited you in your love life. Oh, Jason, get out of town. It's one in the morning. We're drinking. It's cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's all about the pacing. Let's be completely honest. That's what I've been told. <laughs> okay, I'm the only woman in the room, so I could definitely say some things about pacing or anything, but I'm not going to. Um, anyways, also, let's talk about the fact that um, your play Easton Red, correct? Um, the fact that it just came out that it's possible we actually know... Yeah. The killer now. Yeah. What's going on with that? Uh, there's there's been some speculation. recent speculation and developments in the Jack the Ripper case, which is kind of ridiculous to say. It's yeah. how many years old now? Eighty plus. Older than you. Yeah. Um, he's, he's over eighty. But <laughs> but yeah, no. A couple of years ago, I was uh, commissioned to write a play about Jack the Ripper. Um, I had never written a period piece or uh, British dialogue, as as it were. So I asked if I could make it my own, and I did. I set it in modern-day New York City. Um, but I did take original people from the Jack the Ripper case. Uh, 
and my killer was one of the suspects from the case, Aaron Kuzminski. And uh, I chose him because I thought he was the least likely to have been the murderer. And I wanted that flexibility. Least um, likely is always the most likely. Exactly. And I didn't really think about that when I was writing it. I guess that's where I was going with. Because when you were like, oh, that's who I picked for my play. I thought that maybe you were just like really stealthy. Like (laughs) investigator here. And you were like, I think that the Polish hairdresser. Yeah. He's the one that did it. It's like the clue, you know, like, I'm Colonel Mustard in the corner and the Polish hairdresser in the library is the one I... I mean, don't get me wrong. Since this has come out, I've told everyone, oh, yeah, yeah, I've known this for a really long time, and that's why I did it. That's what you gotta do. Yeah. So what you're telling us tonight is you're a liar. I'm telling you right now, I'm contradicting myself, yes. (laughs) No, it was, honestly, it was sheer luck and again it hasn't been 100 percent proven it never will be um you know there's a lot of conjecture with this gentleman coming forward of course he's coming out with a book when this news was coming out so there's that that. yeah so i hate to ruin it for you Um, but i'm sort of running with it i've been i've since developed the play more and i've actually added in a few you know hints that you know of this current news that's come out so. well, yeah th- more nudity always helps always more nudity there's n- there's nudity uh there can be it's well, a play about prostitutes yeah i know i was gonna say it's exactly <laughs> um what i would like to say is that i know it's probably not possible but um it would be great to get a little um video play done of this and also Jack the Ripper's created case that's it <laughs> I, 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 uh, uh, I'm, I'm so confused right now what, what, are you, what are you suggesting I was suggesting that you record a little play uh-huh. of your Jack the Ripper okay. play okay. video okay Publish it. Publish it. And that's it. Okay. I'm in. You are in. I'm in. Excellent. Yeah, we're also... Well, that um, was easy. Well, we're also starting the film adaptation of East and Red soon. Um, so there will be a movie. Okay, so good enough. That's yeah. all I was asking for. Okay. I mean... Oh, Jesus okay. Christ, guys. And what what, uh, what role am I playing? Um, I'd like you to play... Uh, Prostitute number three. Well, I do. I do actually make a good prostitute number three. Yeah. But uh, the sad little woman uh, with the plague. (laughs) Who have you always wanted to play, Jason? Doesn't have to be from Jack the Ripper. What is your dream role? I want to play Jackie Chan. Leatherface. The actor Jackie Chan. Yeah. No, I'd, I I would be a terrible Leatherface because, like, I would be, I don't know the 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 stereotype like everybody, yeah, like cold starting a chainsaw, yeah. like I don't know, it's like Family Guy, like <laughs> I've that Family Guy episode where before. Peter Peter has like he's a Nielsen family and he has like a oh, hundred yeah, yeah, Nielsen yeah. boxes oh, and he tells Tom Tucker like. Human? 
He tells Tom Tucker that he wants him to like end every newscast yeah. like cold starting a chainsaw, and he's like, oh, "Come on, oh come on, I can do this. Come on, Tom." Cold starting a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. That would be me every time. Some like, reason I thought you were talking about the episode with Randy Newman. <laughs> no. Everything yeah, no. Yeah. no. Oh, Family Guy. Did you guys see the uh, Family Guy? And oh, the crossover. crossover. I have not seen it yet. I did see the crossover. And, and here's the thing. Spoiler alert. So the crossover episode was the no season crossover. premiere <laughs> for Family Guy. Um, so it was a Family Guy episode that involved The Simpsons, um, and it happened the same night that the season premiere of The Simpsons happened, mm-hmm. and I love, 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 love The Simpsons. I can't say how much I love The Simpsons, but that being said, <laughs> I wasn't that impressed with the season premiere of The Simpsons. Okay. Um, I do think this the the writing in The Simpsons has been lacking in recent up in recent seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was hoping for a lot in the season premiere of The Simpsons, and I don't believe it delivered. Um, I know that a lot of artistic folk were very happy with the couch gag that was uh, aired for the season premiere. In The Simpsons. 90% weren't, though. I was not. I was really... What, what con- was it? I, I, I don't know the intricate details, oh, okay. but and I forget who the artist was who did it, but it was very artistic. It was very um, daring, um, out on a limb. Like go for go for stuff and like you know uh, hope that it works. Um, so the artistic community community, um, yeah, was 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 happy with it because it was it was daring. It was it was well drunk drunk aside. It was uh, you know kind of kind of going out on a limb and trying something new. Um, it was very, the, the, the bit was very futuristic. It was like the Simpsons in the future and, and it went on forever and ever and ever and just kept going. Um, I I thought forever, it it just went on too long. Um, Was this the crossover? No, no, this was, this was the Simpsons episode. Okay. The crossover was the family guy episode. Gotcha. Um, but the Simpsons episode, the couch gag, um, was a very futuristic, um, opening the couch gag and for the general public myself included um i didn't get it um people who maybe i could be stupid but uh fans of the particular artist who did it um understood what he was going for and artists um also understood what he was doing and appreciated the gamble he took Mm -hmm. and just the the interesting things he was doing in it but it just went on and on and yeah, on i don't and understand the, i i, the I appreciate that and i appreciate opening. taking gambles and trying new things and going out on a limb and doing things that you know go against the grain every once in a while but like saturday night live does quite often um they tried something and they 
kept it going too long, in my opinion. Yeah. So it just went on and on and on. And as I was watching it, I was, as a huge Simpsons fan watching it, I was kind of infuriated and annoyed by it. And it kept going and going and going. <laughs> and this was just the couch gag. The episode hadn't even started right, yet. Right, But it kept going. And, and I'm a huge futurist and technologist. And I, I love futurism and everything. But I was still annoyed by it. Yeah. I, I just didn't understand what they were, were trying to do. Yeah. It was very confusing. Your feeble mind cannot. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not smart enough brain. to understand it. That's, <laughs> that's absolutely true. So, yeah, no, I mean, and, and the episode itself wasn't anything to blow me away. It was just another Simpsons episode. So, you know, it was what it was, and it went on. Um, and then, uh, I guess a half hour later, after the episode, um, Family Guy aired, and that was the Family Guy Simpsons crossover. And I will say... That was an absolutely brilliant episode. <laughs> so, yeah, so anybody who is a Simpsons fan will appreciate it because there were a lot of uh, smart jokes thrown in there um, that you know reference the the the, the Simpsons and uh, things that happen in the Simpsons and the relationship between the Simpsons and the Family Guy. Um, it was a good episode. Lots of good humor in there, and it was an hour long episode, I believe. Oh, that's way past my bedtime, but but yeah, so so it was a lot to sit through, but I do think they they did it justice. Um, the storyline flowed well, and uh, a lot of good jokes in there, and a lot of good jokes thrown at Fox, like they always do at the network, at different shows. They kind of make fun of their own show, the the Cleveland show, and talk about mm-hmm. um, you know, their show carrying other shows and yeah. and things like that. So yeah. a lot a lot of insider jokes for for fans of the Fox shows and and, and animation domination domination. Domination um, animation. Yeah. I I'm, I'm um, honestly surprised it took them this long to do this. Absolutely. And and they have actually published some fantastic uh, YouTube videos, um, and I believe this is Family Guy that Get has published this stuff. But um, with the voice actors of The Simpsons um, talking about the experience working with Ray this particular, oh yeah, episode, that must have been interesting. Yeah, this particular episode talking about how at first they were skeptical, and then when they read the script, they saw how brilliant it was, and they were really excited about it. And going through the process, there's one video showing um, the Newman. genius <laughs> Hank Azaria. <laughs> Hank Azaria um, actually voicing the episode, and Hank Azaria, if you don't know, is an absolute genius. A demigod. He, he is. Hank Azaria is is a god, and. Uh, He's 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 a vocal talent. He really is, and I I am uh, in awe of his talent. But he voices the majority of the characters on The Simpsons. Yeah, like ninety percent. No yeah, way. yeah. No, he he voices majority of the characters on The Simpsons, and it's fun watching him in in the YouTube video, seeing right. him do um, 
you know, Apu yeah. and Chief Wiggum. And uh, he also, and I didn't actually know this. I mean, I, I know most of the characters he voices, but I did not know, <laughs> I did not know that he voices Carl, Carl Carlson. Oh, wow. So it, it, you mean it, they didn't hire an actual African American to play? No, that role? absolutely not. You know, of course they would <laughs> not do Gunner, that, and they 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 do not they do not do that in uh, <laughs> you know American Dad either uh, or, or in uh, yeah. the Cleveland Show. Yeah. No, that's that's not happening. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a separate issue. Yeah, but uh, no, the the it it is interesting watching the video, seeing Hank Azaria. Do Chief Wiggum, uh, you know, do the dialogue, and then immediately of Chief going Wiggum, to, yeah. and then switching the, to uh, Lou. Could you imagine his, how bipolar Lou that must be? He does Lou as well as Carl yeah. Carlson. So that's talent. Yeah. yeah, it's just amazing the the breadth of his talent to be able so to do that. Who wrote the episode? Was it writers from? So both it was it was writers, writers from Family rooms? Guy. Yeah. So oh. fa- Family Guy was given liberty. Wow. To do that episode. And Fox actually um, was the studio that that uh, illustrated and animated the episode as well. Mm-hmm. It was not the um, Simpsons uh, crew that did that. The, okay. the normal Simpsons crew. It was all done by Fox Studios. Okay, that does Family Guy and everything. Yeah, and that's unfortunate because uh, you know we have personal relationship with people at yeah. The wonderful, with the wonderful people who develop and produce our great Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So we want them to continue to have jobs. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, for oh, I know, right? You're such a bitch. But <laughs> all of the people, uh, yeah. For for this episode, Fox took over and and they did it. Gotcha. Um, and it was written by them, but uh, from from the videos, like I said, that you can see. That uh, Family Guy posted, um, the voice actors from The Simpsons seemed to enjoy themselves and they cool. enjoyed the writing. Um, and I was I was pleasantly surprised at the writing. They mm-hmm. actually did a really good job. Yeah. All right, boys. I'm going to say good night. I think what? that we are going to wrap this up because we have way too much coming to you tomorrow. From Comic-Con. Oh, yeah, we are. New York Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. Uh, So we're all going to sign off ASAP. All right. We should probably do that. Thanks for putting up with our BS. And have a good night. Wherever you're. This is the bonus drunk episode. The bonus drunk episode. Nobody's drunk here. Nobody is drunk here. Except for Ryan. But it still counts as the bonus drunk. Ryan's a lightweight. He also hasn't eaten all day. Rogue Planet uh, drunk episode where none of us are drunk. Yeah. All right. Well, good call, Maureen. Yes, thank you for... You're scaring Ryan. Don't do that. Okay. All right. Well, we will We'll put Ryan to bed, and uh, we will continue, hopefully, tomorrow from New York Comic Con. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And uh, Ryan, say goodnight. Good night. Maureen, say goodnight. I'm going to say it nicely. Have sweet dreams, everyone. And I'll just say goodnight because I'm not a douche. Later. 